0: Okay, everybody, welcome to another uh, episode of How to Blank in 15 Minutes. I'm one of your hosts, Chantal osman and I'm with your other host, Brian Young. And today we're going to talk about the importance of formatting in 15 minutes or less.
1: Yeah, um, format your stuff properly like a professional. Like,
0: I think that's the end of the episode, Brian. I mean, I, I would put an amen and like five stars all around that. And I think that that's the uh, number one takeaway people need from this episode.
1: Well, OK, so let's let's back up a little bit, because some people aren't familiar with what proper manuscript format is. And it's different for every medium. And sometimes there's not a standard, right? Like when you're writing a comic book script, there's not actually a standard. There's like um, like there is in screenwriting. Right. In screenwriting, it has a very specific look and feel and how the formatting needs to be and and what font it needs to be, because there's a shorthand to um, associate what that format is to the runtime, the eventual runtime of the movie. That rule of thumb is generally if it's formatted properly, you're going to average about a page per minute.
0: And I'm going to just jump in and interrupt here with a couple of side notes. One is if you're Googling this, which you have to be wary of, Make sure that you're not looking at a shooting script or a script written by a director, because that is very different from just a basic screenplay. And also, as a side number two, make sure that you're not looking at a teleplay, which if it's written for television, that includes commercial breaks and other things and setups again and again. Um, So you want to make sure that you're actually looking at the right format for what you want to write.
1: For those of you looking for novel format or short story format, my best um, the best resource that I think everybody uses and everybody passes around is is a guy named William Shun S H U N N wrote uh, some sort of short stories to uh, illustrate what proper manuscript format is, and if you just Google Shun manuscript format, you'll find it. But I mean the long and the long and short of it is pick one of two fonts, Courier New or Times New Roman.
0: And if you pick Courier New, I will judge you.
1: I will also because I'll be like, hey, you picked the right one. <laughs> um, um, but uh, so you got to pick one of those. It's got to be a very specific font size. The margins need to be all the same. You need to have your page numbers and your name and the title in very specific places in the header. Um, it's pretty standard, right? I can't tell you how many things I see that sort of um how many pieces I get for submission or how many pieces in slush piles I've read where they just weren't trying or you could very clearly tell it was a new writer who wanted to wow people with the sense of like I'm going to format this like it's a book and it's going to make you feel like it's a book, but like editors and agents and contest readers, they don't want to see that. They don't care. Like none of that matters. Look,
0: I've got to say that the only time you really want to reinvent the wheel is in your actual prose. Like I want your words to shine off the page. It shouldn't have anything to do with your formatting. I want that to just blend into the background and be, you know, noncommittal and and vague, so that I can just read what you've written and be impressed by that. Because I can guarantee that nobody's formatting has ever gotten them a a book deal or a movie deal or anything. So you know, just kind of do it correctly and quietly, and and proceed on. Because just like Brian said, you know, I judge I judge a lot of film contests. I judge. A lot of book contests. I I judge a lot of, you know, first novel contests, and often, and it's not always just me being being a totally awful person, which Brian can attest to. I am, Um, but often (laughs) it's true. Often, if um, you know the, the whatever I'm judging for, they have a set of rules and regulations, and like this one, I just got through with. It's an automatic on this one particular category. You can't score. It's a score of one to 10. I can't score above a four if it's incorrectly formatted. Like you've basically lost this contest just for that. And, and it sounds awful and like we're being mean. And like I said, some of us are. But on the other hand, it kind of <laughs> goes back to, to what Brian said. And, and we want to make sure that you can take instruction Often, you know, yes, new writers screw up and we're fine with that, but it goes to that, are you trying? Are you trying to be a professional? And if the answer is a really clear and resounding no, then I actually, as an acquiring editor, I I worry about what you might be like to work with going forward.
1: I've got a funny story about that. Do you? Um Yeah, I do. So I was submitting short stories a lot to places like Asimov's and fantasy and science fiction and stuff. You'll notice that a lot of these outlets have slightly different submission requirements or preferences. And, you know, it makes it hard when you're submitting stories across three, four, five, six different outlets, and they all have slightly different formatting requirements. But I didn't notice that Asimov's had it, everything needed to be 1.5 spaced. Pretty much everywhere else on Earth is looking for double spaced. But because they're looking for 1.5 space, they can open the document and see if you followed directions immediately. And I got an email back from the woman who read it was just like, hey, we, we read this. We liked it. It wasn't for us. But I'm going to give you a warning. It was It was double spaced instead of 1.5. And if you send it to us again, we're not going to read any. If you send it to us again with that that formatting wrong, we're not going to read you again. And uh, I was like, oh, I didn't even notice. But that I mean, like, I should have. That onus was on me. But you got to think about how many submissions these people are getting sent. And it doesn't matter how great the story is. If they're on their eighth submission and they open it up and your title's written in Comic Sans, they're not going to take you seriously as a professional and they're not going to take the time to read how brilliant your story is.
0: Well, that's honestly, Brian, that goes to so much of the heart of the matter, because you know, I get anywhere from five to five hundred submissions a day in the slush pile. And it's just like it's not physically possible to read all of them. Um, And the same goes for contests, you know, if there are a ton of submissions to a contest, like you just do not have time to read every single one of them, you have to have some parameters that, you know, kick something out because, and you know, honestly, for me, a lot of the things and and we'll probably go into this into a few in a future episode, but I'm a very big first page reader like when I'm acquiring, if that first page doesn't grab me. And the thing is that I believe you, if you say to me, you know, my book really gets going in you know chapter three or it got really interesting there. Well, the thing is most readers aren't going to give you until chapter three or look past something that's a complete mess to see if there's something really good there. You have to show it to us right off the bat.
1: Yeah. So like, if you don't format your stuff properly, you're you're failing your story. No matter how important your story is to you, if you can't take the time to format it properly, then the chances of people reading it and accepting it and doing anything with it are very low. Right. And it's the same thing with self-publishing, right? Like Oh,
0: clearly. If- I, I I have had people actually say to me, self-published authors, which again, this is a very valid method of publishing. I, I have no quarrel with it, other than the fact that you have to do every job in publishing, just yourself as an author, which is, I think, super hard. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But that aside, um, I I have had self-published writers say to me, well, um, I I just put it up there when I'm done writing. And then I rely on my readers to give me notes back on errors and formatting and that. And then I'll fix it later. And the thing is, you generally don't get. That second bite at the apple, those readers that you lost that first time you really messed it up, kind of just like, honestly, Brian, that, that magazine that you submitted to, they were nice enough to say that you get one chance. Um, But a lot of places are just like, no, or even readers, you know, you, I, I have committed because the thing is over and above all of this, what you are asking from a reader is a lot. I don't care if it's an agent, an editor, a reader in a bookstore, a reader in a contest, whatever. You are asking that person to put their life on hold and commit a portion of time to reading your words. And you're saying this is worth it. And by not formatting, by not spell checking, by not following even their basic requests, you're just saying your time isn't worth my effort.
1: Yeah, no, that's very much true. Um, I think it shows a lack of professionalism. And you know what? I mean, like you can argue all day that you feel like the rules of formatting are arbitrary. You can say that you don't think it should be like that. That's cool, but it is like that, whether you like it or not, right? Right. When you're Cormac McCarthy, then you can stop using uh, quotation marks, right? Or you can decide like, eh, maybe commas are optional. Like once you've made your your money, like no one, like if you're that person who shows up and you're like, commas are uh, an invention of the bourgeois, like no editor is going to want to deal with you because you're going to appear to them to be insufferable. And the chances are good that you are insufferable.
0: Yep. So um, we've ranted and raved about formatting. This is a lovely, uplifting episode. Um, and and I just hope that you were not the person who needed to hear this.
1: Um, no, none of our listeners are the ones who needed to hear this. All of our listeners are very sufferable. But maybe but,
0: somebody you know needs an intervention about formatting.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Because like you don't want to be that person. You don't. <laughs> Well, I mean, like editors talk, don't they?
0: They do. They talk. They talk a lot. And and when I tell you these things, you know, it's, it's, it's a it's a small world. And I mean, I'm not saying because, you know, you accidentally, you know, dropped caps somewhere that we're going to talk about you. But when it gets to the level, which I, I know it sounds like you go, who would do this? A lot of people is the answer. A lot of people do this. And it's upsetting and it's disrespectful. And it just, you know, if, if you want us to respect you enough to take time to read your words, you need to respect us enough to make sure that it's kind of sort of somewhat legible.
1: Yeah. And and that it fits. I mean, part of it too, like one of the important things about formatting that like, I don't think people process that it actually causes a problem. There are people who are like, I'm going to use tab and double space after a period not realizing that when they turn that manuscript over to an editor, the editor is going to have to fix all of those. That's very true. Because when they hand it to the formatter, then they have to not have those things, right? Like if you do those things because you're just like, this is the way I learned, I'm going to tab and I'm going to double space. You're causing more work for people and headaches for people that aren't going to appreciate them.
0: Yep. No, it really does save a lot of work in the end. Um, honestly, the number of books that I acquire that I spend most of the editing process stripping a level of formatting out of is a lot. And and none of the people that I work with, thank God, are doing anything egregious, might I add. You know, it's just because, you know, Microsoft Word sucks. Um <laughs>
1: Another another one I see are are like paragraph breaks, like between sections. How do you prefer seeing those? Because like I've seen people put ornamental ones in. I put in um, like a hashtag.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, as long as you keep consistent, if you have that hashtag between paragraphs or between scenes, section breaks, I can at least search for and delete that. You know, we might choose to add a lovely flourish that fits whatever you've written later. Please do not like get a clip art of a film reel or something and put it between the scenes. So do it for my next book. (laughs) This is, this is just horrifying. Um, You know, if you just want scene breaks there and just add spaces, it's quite clear, especially if when you begin a new scene, you have that, you know, full justified to the left and there's no tab, then it's not confusing. Um, that's,
1: that's why I use the hash, the hash marks, because you can search them, and chances are pretty good they're not anywhere else in the document. Exactly. Which means they're easy enough to delete and, or replace.
0: Well, you know, and honestly, if, if we want to just add what things are helpful, having a page break at the beginning of each new chapter is helpful to already have in there. Because I'm, again, going through and inserting them. Um, Because once I change something, or you add, or you delete, or whatever, you've thrown off all the formatting. So this way, we know that no matter what, that new chapter will start on a new page.
1: Yeah. No, that's definitely something I do. Um, In Apple Pages, you can make it a different section as well. So if you need to drag and drop them. well, and you know,
0: just another thing I, I I like, like you said before, having a title, a name, a page number. Um, some people still like to print things out. Sometimes things get lost. I actually highly recommend you put in like your email address in a footer as well.
1: Huh. Um, okay. Well,
0: you just never know. If somebody prints it out and pages get messed up, A, you want page numbers on there. Um, and B, I want to know how to find you because I might be missing your title page. Mm-hmm. So if I read this and then I go, I have no idea who this came from because I lost page one. You're up a creek.
1: Yeah, yeah. You've got
0: no title, no name, no you know contact information. So I mean, you don't have to do it, but at least, like you said, having a title, a name, and a page number is going to be helpful because you're you're just trying to make sure everybody can read it. However, some people like it as a Word document, which I think you're probably, you know, as a .dot .doc extension, the safest you can do because somebody can easily convert that to pages. They can convert it to PDF. They can send it to their e-reader. If it's already a PDF and see, I like to read submissions on my e-reader. That's a pain because I can't change the formatting when I send it over to my e-reader.
1: Yeah. So, you, no, you want to make everybody's life as easier. easy as possible. You want to make it as easy as possible for people to say yes and having proper stripped down formatting is one way to make lives of those who can say yes to publishing your work easier.
0: Well, and and honestly that's that's a big deal because it's just like any sort of sale. You want even like internet sales. The key is the fewest number of click-throughs to get somebody what they want is the key. And so if somebody has to write you back and say you formatted this wrong, can you? I requested it as a PDF and you sent it as a doc. Whatever it is, if I have to take that second step, you're honestly basically moving to the bottom of the pile because the next person who did it right is easier for me. I have to do fewer steps. It's less work. So you want to make sure it's less work from the get-go.
1: Where can people find you, Chantel?
0: Oh, um, in hell. Also online at Suspense Siren. Um, And what about you, Brian?
1: Uh, You can find me online at swankmotron or swankmotron.com
0: great i have
1: a very beautifully formatted website
0: he does and in fact he has a beautifully formatted newsletter as well which you can sign up for on that website and i also encourage you to visit pipeline artists and explore the other wonderful podcasts that are on the network as well as uh, workshops um, critiques contests anything basically you need if you are or want to be a writer So check that out and um, definitely also contact us and let us know what topics you'd like to see in future episodes.